Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ranking Thrones. I'm James Kelly. And I'm Evan Camacho. And every week, Evan and I meet up to discuss the the fictional kings of Westeros who sat on the Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. And uh, last week, we, we ended up because... George R. R. Martin provided us with so much wonderful information in Fire and Blood on King Jaehaerys the first. We had to split the episode in half, so this is our second half of the episode where we're going to actually rank him now. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, though, as I said, we had to we we got a lot of information from the Jaehaerys sections in Fire and Blood, mm-hmm. and so we ended up having to cut some. I had to cut some things to just uh, make it a at least one solid episode of just information and fun stuff <laughs> and this is the side story of of reyna and area targaryen now before just to explain the the way this podcast works is that every week we meet up and uh, i'm a big book fan evan is more of a tv show fan right and so um i go through the book versions of of these characters because sometimes they are substantially different from the tv show versions um <laughs> uh, when we get to the joffrey episode evan might be in for a kind of a some small surprises right and uh so and then we go through scoring point by point and we'll go through that when we get to the ranking part but first just a fun little side episode and supplemental the story of Reyna and Arya Targaryen. Now, okay. Reyna Targaryen was the first child of King Aenys and Queen Alyssa Valerian. We covered much of her history in the Aenys and Magors episodes, so go to those episodes to find the information on everything before this part right here. This is covering her time during Je- her brother Jaehaerys' reign. So, Reyna Targaryen, after escaping Maegor and giving Blackfire to her brother, left King's Landing. She would remarry, to everyone's surprise and confusion, Andrew Farman, the heir to Fair Isle. Mm. Fair Isle was not a great house, and Andrew Farman was a weak and effeminate man that was younger than Reyna. The whispers were that she married Andro more so she could be with her his sister, Alyssa. Reyna was probably a lesbian, which is very alluded to in Fire and Blood. <laughs> so, that being said, she also very much loved her... It's also indisputed that she loved her brother, Aegon II. Or Aegon the Uncrowned. Sorry, that's going ahead. Mm-hmm. So, bye, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I'm so... <laughs> Uh-oh. We don't know. And so, Reyna traveled around the realm with her husband and Alyssa. Everywhere she went, the lords eventually all but asked for dragon eggs, which she refused to give. Smart. Jaehaerys approved greatly of this, as he wanted to avoid the Targaryens losing their exceptional gift, and to avoid creating a realm of rival dragon lords like Valyria. Yeah. Reyna then went to see her brother at King's Landing. He offered her a seat at the, on the small council. She turned him down and instead asked for Dragonstone, and to have her daughter Arya back, who was being raised by Alysanne. <laughs> on Dragonstone, Arya and Alyssa got very bored. Alyssa was a sea explorer and wanted to desperately to visit the unexplored seas to the west. 
Reynov refused to fund this and refused to let her leave. One day, Alyssa left and took with her three dragon eggs. Yes. Alyssa went to the east and sold the dragon eggs. Jaharis was furious about this. He feared the formation of other dragon lords and another Valyria. But knowing that it was impossible to find the dragon eggs, and believe me, he tried. <laughs> he, that he declared that he would, he would, that the minute he heard that dragons hatching in the east, he would go to war with whoever had them. Smart. Septon Barth would later assure the king that outside of Dragonstone, the eggs would likely become stones. Later on, Septon Barth personally met a delegate in Pentos who spoke codedly about having the eggs and offered a great deal of money to Westeros for, under the understanding that he had likely purchased stones. Mm-hmm. Three dragon eggs that were considered stones. Hmm. Sound familiar? Eh, nothing to make of that. Mm-hmm. It's not the moment. Alyssa, f- yeah, that, that, what are the odds that'll ever become a problem? Yeah. <sighs> You don't have to worry about that. Alyssa Farman would use the funds to create a fleet and go by the name of Alice Westhill. Cool. Her goal was to explore the uncharted lands west of Westeros. She would find some islands west of Westeros mm-hmm. in her early exploration. And she was at that time when she found those islands, which I think of as, as George R. R. Martin's equivalent of the Galapagos. Right. Uh, Galapagos or the, um, or the Caribbean? Oh, Galapagos, because, like, she wanted to go further. It was, like, it was basically, like, they found the, these, uh, this one island with strange creatures and no people. Mm. And they were just, like, and, like, they, almost all of them immediately died from, like, the weird diseases and insects mm. there and animals. So they were, like, let's get out of here. Smart. But, but she wanted to press on and she just went west. Hmm. And her companion came back, and he was so brown that people thought he was Pentoshi when they first saw him. Ah. No word was ever said of what happened to Alice Westhill, as, though, decades later, Corliss Valerian, known as the Sea Snake, would, would say that he swore he saw the ship in the east when he was making his travels there. Hmm. So, who knows? Circular world. Yes. Well, it's a great mystery that Martin intends to be mysterious and unanswered, I think. Mm-hmm. Get used to that, because that's going to come up in just a little bit. Right. When Alyssa, with Alyssa gone, Reyna soon became more hostile to Andrew Farman. Andrew was routinely mocked by the court in Dragonstone. Mm. Suddenly, many, and Andrew at this time was asking for more duties, Mm-hmm. on Dragonstone, and each time he was routinely dismissed as like, no, you're not going to be like my master at arms, you're not going to command my armies. No. No. And they didn't even sleep together in the same bed, so everyone whispered that this marriage was a farce. Right. Suddenly, many on Dragonstone became ill and died. Okay. All of Reyna's favorites, along with her maester, died. The plague was identified by Rego Draz as the Tears of Lys. Okay. When Reyna was made aware of this, she confronted Andrew Farman, 
who proudly said that he had killed them all before committing suicide. Hmm. It's pretty dark. Yeah. And that left some scars on Reyna. Poor girl. A little after, like she had been abandoned by her, her lover and her husband had killed all her friends except for her daughter. So just throwing that out there. Yeah. And this is already, she had been married to Magor, so. Right. Yeah. A little after the High Septon issued issue, a major scandal came when Princess Arya disappeared from Dragonstone on Valerian the Black Dread. Oh, no. Arya had adored being the heir to the throne and the attention she received at King's Landing. Right. She was a feisty girl that hated Dragonstone. She begged her mother to let her go back to King's Landing and originally begged Alyssa Farman to take her on her sea journeys. She was bold and successfully mounted Balerion the Black Dread and disappeared from Westeros. Hmm. A lot of fans interpret her as kind of a proto-Aria, and I can see it. Right. Although she's a little bit of Sansa also because she really did like, like the court and being a princess mm-hmm. aspect of it. She loved being adored. She loved being mm. popular. Huh. Like a teenager. She girl. didn't get that on the on like the kind of like miserable place of Dragonstone. Right. Reyna desperately searched for the realm for a year for any signs of Arya. Arya did not return for a for a full year until she came back on Balerion, naked, shriveled, with numerous pustules on her body to the point that few recognized her. Jesus. Her last words were, I never before she collapsed. Huh. She was taken by Grand Maester Benefer and Septon Barth, who refused to let the king and queen see her, saying that they could not bear the sight. Mm. Only Septon Barth would write of what happened next. Fair warning to our listeners, this part is pretty grotesque. This is where George R. R. Martin gets reclaims his his added his um earlier history as being a horror writer. Alright. Aria was burning from a fever. When she was plunged into the ice, strange snake creatures with human faces and hands burst out of her body before dying in the tub. Jesus. Her eyes melted in the tub as she still burned. She was burning as she was in ice water. Jesus. Her body was wrapped and cremated. Septon Barth later concluded that people had been wrong in asking where Arya had taken Balerion when it was Balerion who was in command. Right. Balerion was a young hatchling when the Targaryens left Valyria. He was the last living creature who could recall Valyria before the fall and flew there with Arya. Mm-hmm. Arya, not Arya. <laughs> mm-hmm. Balerion came back from Valyria with wounds. Think of that. The greatest dragon of all came back with wounds from yeah. visiting Valyria. Whatever happened remains a mystery. And I think, personally, this is where Fire and Blood is relevant. I think this is another one where I think Martin might come back to this. Maybe. Maybe. Jaehaerys made made a law that that forbid attempting to visit Valyria after wow. all of this. Reyna Targaryen was devastated when she heard what happened to her daughter. 
She would spend the rest of her days in Heron Hall in her own tower dubbed Widow's Tower. She would die decades later. Her brother said that her remains should not be placed in King's Landing, as she had hated King's Landing, Mm -hmm. and further commented that his sister had died decades before when Aegon the Uncrowned had died. Mm -hmm. Sad. Yeah. Some of these stories aren't happy. I mean, it's great. If you read Mo or, or watch the show, just there aren't that many happy endings in this series. No, there really isn't. Well, but that was the story of Reyna and Aria. Some <laughs> some really interesting stuff, particularly yeah. obviously with Aria. That like, that one, like you won't you won't believe how much I just had to tear myself apart. I say, oh, I can't include that. That's so cool, though. Yeah, but now you can. Now you yep, did. and that's good. So now, Evan, we've let's go back to our good friend Jaharis. Yes. So picking up right off, let's go for the summary and start doing the ranking. All right, let's do it. So King Jaharis, he reigned for 55 years. He is the longest reigning monarch to sit on the Iron Throne. Very good. And he gets 55 points just for that. That's higher. That's higher than than almost everyone since uh, Aegon. Yeah, and that's the. He already has passed Magor and Aenys just for point those points. Right. But now we go on a on a, each of us gives a, a on a ten point scale for his points as a king. So here are some notes I I put for him being king. Yeah. Already, as I stated, he was the longest reigning Targaryen king. Gotta give him credit for that. Yeah, because this, it, as we sh- showed with the Aenys episode, like it, it really is hard, and like it really is like a, a testament for how long you do rule. Mm-hmm. If you can rule for a long time, you're cl- clearly something you're doing is doing right. Or if you, li- or if you're living long enough, clearly you have someone competent working for you that keeps you alive. That might come up with a couple of other kings, but yes, yes. Bottom line is, <clears throat> the ship is being managed well. Yeah. Or yes. relatively well. It's it's really either that or you're a good enough warrior that you can keep it down. But generally speaking, those don't last long. Yes, Magor didn't last long. No. So okay, during Jaharis's reign, the population of Westeros outside of Dorm doubled. The okay. population of King's Landing quadrupled. <sighs> this is attributed to the long peacetime, so people weren't dying all the time from wars. No. And even when you had the, the the shivering sickness, the overall population doubled. Okay. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. It's like people aren't dying. This is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But here's also the good news, though, with a population boost, is the price of grain and fish went down considerably. Right. More Trade increased working. 10 times. Mm-hmm. The realm was at peace for such long periods that later people would assume that the entirety of Jaehaerys's reign was 50 years of peace. Hmm. Jaharis also created a set of laws for the entirety of the realm. He did what Aegon didn't do, which was make a code of law for all that applied to all of the six kingdoms he ruled. Right. And also, by the way, I, I just want to say, mm-hmm. like it's mentioned in the World of Ice and Fire, but and in Fire and Blood, but even Dorne loved King Jaharis. <laughs> even Dorne, like mourned and had a period of mourning for Jaharis. 
That's good. So, like, everyone loved Jaharis by the end. Hmm. Jaharis had the King's Road commissioned, which, building roads is so boring, yes. but that is actually so incredibly important. Right. You can... Roads were actually one of the most effective ways to control an empire. Yeah. And the first people who did that, who, or at least latched onto that, were actually the Persians. Mm. They weren't, they weren't, the, they weren't the, the concrete roads that we think of with the Romans, but they were still applied roads. There were still roads throughout all the Persian Empire. Yeah. Um, and since the Persian Empire was actually, just by uh, contrary to popular belief, Persian Empire was actually bigger than the Roman Empire. Not by much, but it was bigger. Wow. I didn't know that. Yes, and the impressive part with the Persian Empire, slight history thing, but I think this actually ties in very well. Um, the Persian Empire at one time uh, had 40% of the world's population within its borders. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the biggest empire of all time by percentage of population of the world. No, wow. Not even the British Empire could do that. That's amazing. Yeah. That's why we, we have each other to, to say these cool stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's just a fun podcast about about Game of Thrones, but well, no, you can learn learn some cool stuff also. Well, and plus, let's look at it this way. I mean, Martin Martin knows this. Tolkien knows this. Yeah, they all they all and know this kind of history stuff. History yeah. makes great. History gives great stories. Oh yes, absolutely. History gives some fantastic stories. Well, we might cover it later in the episodes, but like he he definitely like like the even th- things in the show the. And the books, obviously, the the Red Wedding that that is based on like this supposed historical event, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Black Dinner. Although, like as George R. R. Martin himself jokes, like later historians have now all said, like, "Oh no, that didn't happen that way." I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, but it's such a great story," and so he he purposely chose to tell it the more exciting way in in right. history. And uh, last two ones. Mm-hmm. Alisane aided the Night's Watch by massively expanding their land they controlled south. Good. They named one of their castles after the queen for her helping fund it, mm-hmm. its construction. This can also, although, venture a tiny bit into madness and misrule because Lord Stark predicted that this would not be properly the gift, mm-hmm. and the queen's gift would not be properly guarded by the Night's Watch. And in time would be a land that was vulnerable to wildlings and bandits. Mm-hmm. This would prove correct as the Night's Watch slowly collapsed. Agreed. But that is like a, a very much like, a, a, as we'll cover for a theme for Jaharis, most of his mistakes, and they are mistakes. Right. They're so long term that you can forgive him for, for, right. for making Right. No, almost no one could have predicted that. Yeah. So... Honestly, oh, oh, and so lastly, and mm-hmm. we shouldn't let this too color our opinions because these are just our opinions, right? But George R. R. Martin flat out said it. He pers- he said that personally, Jaehaerys was his favorite of the Targaryen kings. I believe it. I, I believe it. He so as a king, he's really, at least to me, a model of a, of a wise ruler. He's what. What, what what Plato always like hopes we that the world should get, which is a wise, benevolent king, mm-hmm. and he's very very good. I would, uh, I like as king, just like just on in a king category, right? I'd give him a ten. Same. 
All right. Wow. Congratulations, Jaharis. You are the first. You're the first one to get a 10. You, you are the first to get a perfect score. Mm-hmm. Even Aegon the Conqueror did not get a perfect score. No, because I think I think there is there is nothing to truly criticize him for that that no one could have honestly foreseen. He really did do the best he could. Well, he definitely did. Well, we'll get into that in Madness and Misrule, but right for 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 critiques, and I do have some. Yes, but and I think what's he's an interesting one for the is that our next category? Uh, no, the next category is the warrior. So this okay. we we judge on how good you were both as a warrior, but also, and this is important for some other kings later on, is a commander, just a, yes. someone who who delegates and chooses the right men to do it. Right. So as a warrior himself, he was incredibly good. With one Kingsguard proudly saying that it would, if Magor were to face against Jaharis, he would bet on Jaharis. Nice. And even when he was in his fifties, he still managed to kill a young strapping. Warrior. Nice. He joined Rogar Baratheon's forces in crushing the second Vulture King and the Baratheon Pretender's Rebellion. There you go. He personally killed the would-be Baratheon Lord in single combat. Mm-hmm. He and his sons obliterated Morin Martell's would-be invasion of the Stormlands in one of the most crushing and summary military accomplishments in Westeros. Mm-hmm. It was literally done in one day. It was not even really a war, but it was... Technically, a war. Mm-hmm. And so, he's really good. He's he is really, very good. He's great as a warrior individually. Mm-hmm. I think he's also a very good commander. And he's a really good commander. Because he has dragons, I, I cannot give him a perfect score. Same. But Same. I will give him nine. I'll give him an eight and a half. Okay, yeah. Only slightly lower because, again, as a good, he's a good warrior, but... Um, the rebellions seem to have been put down with a lot of ease. So I don't know how dangerous these rebellions really were, but I'll give him points for that. Okay. Well, well, I think because he managed it so well, and yeah. that's why I give him a nine is, and that's, is that because he managed to really do such a good job, mm-hmm. it just, it seems easy. Huh. It's like, if, if you do a good job of, George H.W. Bush for Gulf War One. If you just have a huge amount of troops, right, and you get everything ready, then it's going to look like surgery, right, and it's going to look amazing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so eight and a half and a nine. That's still very good. Eight and a half and nine. So he gets seventeen point five. He is he's getting the highest marks for for everything so far. Mm-hmm. But and this is a point where he would happily score low in the next category, madness and misrule. So this category, we talk about, about uh, whether or not you had a little bit of that Targaryen. Right. Well, essentially, essentially what went wrong, if anything. Yeah. Cause you can also just be very much make mistakes and not be, not be a bad person. Amy's we, we agreed wasn't a bad person, but he just wasn't really cut out for the job. He just wasn't a good ruler. Yeah. So, here are the things I said for my notes. He occasionally had some stubbornness and, and harshness that led Alisane to leave Jaehaerys. Right. He was determined that his heir would be a man, which would cause the Alisane to leave him for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Jaehaerys completed the dragon pit, which unwittingly doomed the dragons to growing smaller and weaker. 
Yep. He had little ability to temper the scandalous behavior of his children. Jaehaerys mm-hmm. and Alysanne left the realm with numerous Targaryens who could all vie for the, for the throne. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Alysanne convinced Jaehaerys to have Lord Stark surrender his land south of the Wall to be in command of the Night's Watch. Right. While this function with the Night's Watch was best manned, it quickly left the North far more vulnerable to wildling invasions when the Night's Watch could not be properly guard or tend to the gift. Mm-hmm. Which they eventually didn't. Mm-hmm. All of these, as I said earlier, are long-term mistakes. Yes. The, 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 and they're so, like, he could, only with the wall, it, yeah. and, and with the gift is something that he could have seen coming. Mm-hmm. I, could, I, I, I will be more critical of. Right. But, right. but even that, 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 that just seems like such a, at that stage, it seemed so much more hypothetical. Right. I mean, it, it's very, it's very hard. In my opinion, it's very hard to judge him because the mistakes that he did make didn't, don't, don't become a problem until much later. And they definitely seemed like a good idea at the time. So yes, they, they definitely do. Like that, that's the thing that why I think I, I agree with you. It's like, it's like, yeah, they're mistakes now, like with the clarity of hindsight, but they didn't, at all seem like mistakes they, they seem like right. logical things to do actually right i mean notice whenever notice i mean whenever these mistakes like again the wall is probably the best one it may be foreseen that way but i mean is he really blamed for it not particularly his his successors are blamed more for it than he is than he ever would be honestly i would even like that's more a fault of just like decay of westeros of just more and more of this well yeah that and that's natural i mean it's that's, that's kind of like what again that's kind of like what happened with the roman empires that it was it was actually augustus got defeated in Tudorburg forest pulled everyone back to the rhine and he said that is our border we're not going any further it's not worth it um and there was a very strict border guard for a long time and after a while after a couple centuries it started to weaken but yeah. notice again did, did was augustus blamed for putting it for putting it there hell no no, yeah. He wasn't even really blamed for the defeat in Tudorburg, but it was just the fact that, look, sometimes, sometimes you just set limits and there are practical reasons for it and just it, it can't sustain itself. The administration just can't sustain itself for a variety of reasons. Yeah. So I think what we're saying is we're, we forgive him. Like, these are, mista- these are mistakes, but they're understandable mistakes. Right. It, it was not. It was not his fault during his reign that something screwed got screwed up. Really. It's not his fault that centuries later this becomes a problem that now you can like yeah. be angry at him about. Right. You can't. You can't pull that card. You really can't pull that card. I, you shouldn't be angry at something Abraham Lincoln did because right. now we're feeling the re- repercussions of it. Because that's just like that's so like how could he perceive X happening, like. It's a random example. No, no one could have foreseen that. No one yeah, could have so, that. I mean, he could have. Like, that's why I say it is a mistake. But, like, it's just like, he was just like, why would the Night's Watch be anything but, like, well, yeah, like, we, we, we also, like, have criminals be pardoned for the Night's Watch. But there's also plenty of people just willingly join the Night's Watch. And right. there would be something that, that only, like, five will- people willingly join. Right. Like, right. which is kind of like, what? It became just this this gang of like ex-cons yep uh so i am going to give him 
you've talked me to be even more forgiving. I was going to give him a three, but I'm going to give him a two. I think I'm going to give him a two as well. Yeah, like it, it, he made mistakes, but but they were just so long term that just like he can be. They, they just, let's just say they sure as hell didn't seem like colo- they didn't seem like colossal mistakes at the time. And, and they honestly, like only the gift is really the colossal colossal mistake. Right, and I mean, look, let's look at it this way: there were, there were rebellions; they were dealt with quickly. Again, it's dealt with. He was smart enough to realize that uh, that look. You can either die or can you can die or you can take the black. I am giving you that choice, and I'm honestly giving you that choice. I'm not going to sell you out on that way. Um, so he was willing. He was willing to. He was willing to play ball with many different people, and that actually I give him a, a lot of credit for. But, but that was such a delicate balancing act that inevitably some people there's some screw ups. Yeah. Okay. Didn't have the greatest relationship with the family. Yeah. Who does? It wasn't bad, but it wasn't perfect either. Yeah. I mean, we. I'm. I got, I'm. I'm being nice though, because like I was like, uh, like, it's like a lot of it also is like it's just like these tragedies befell him. So it's just like it's like I feel bad for him. It's like oh no no no. Well, it's like it's like. He again. He didn't foresee this, and this was just chance. Yeah. That, just awful chance that like only two of his kids lived, outlived him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, um, all right. Next category is mm-hmm. is portrait. So I'm sending Evan a portrait of Jaharis, and mm-hmm. this is a nice one from Fire and Blood with him oh. and uh, Al- Alisane. Very good, actually. I'd give him. I mean, for for his old age. Oh no! This is like this is in the prime of his life. Eight out of ten. Yeah, I'd give him about that. That like this is out of out of four out of five. So, mm-hmm. I'd give him a like a four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although four here's four out of five. Yeah. Although mm-hmm. I also have um, him as an old man mm-hmm. to give him like the like why he one, would later become. Who made it to be an old, to being an old man? Yeah, when we got to become the old king. But even so, this, like this, is kind of like Dumbledore, and like this is someone I would respect. Right, he looks like he looks more like a sage. Yeah. So like I'd, I'd give him the same for that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Do it. Four out of five. Uh, all right. Yeah. Good score. Mm-hmm. Good score. So he gets eight. And uh, I will do the tally, but first. Just to, as I get that ready, right. Let me ask you the the fun informal question. Yep. We know that that the series is about to get some spinoffs mm-hmm. coming through the line. So I ask every every episode, is he cinematic? That's a bit of that's actually a little bit of a tough one. Um, I don't think his whole life is cinematic. But I think there are incidents that could be cinematic. I like this is my own like bias. Yeah, coming in. I honestly say like there are definitely like tons of great incidents. Mm-hmm. And like this was really really like surprised me as being pretty interesting reading. Because mm-hmm. I thought it would be boring because he he was a good stable ruler. Right. So, but like as like a TV show or like yeah. a movie, like. I've said this before, like, it's like, 
stable rulers and good rulers don't necessarily make the most exciting. Yeah, like they're they're pretty like because it's like it's like I'm sorry, it's like perfect example I'll give like right now for contemporary presidents, just my own two cents. But mm-hmm. but like uh, Eisenhower, Eisenhower's gonna be is like there's no movies about Eisenhower because Eisenhower's like it's like what are you yeah. gonna make? Well, like, and he, he was he was completely overshadowed as a general. He was completely yeah. overshadowed as a general during World War II. Well, it's like yeah, if you want to make a a movie about him being general, like that's interesting. Right. But like him as president, he's just right. he just does a good job, and yeah, I mean like you need to like he, he does face the job some... so well. He does the job so well that he's not really even worth. It's it's not even worth showing how good a job he did. We just know he did a good job. The only way I could see it working is like you have something like the crown, and then you have it like be soap opera y, where it's just like all about like really his kids being like kind of like not yeah. as good as he is. I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you on that. I'm kind of with you on that one. That he's not really, he's not. He would not make a great series. No, I, I'm sorry. Like we, we, we really like you, but we're just like, yeah, you're probably not like good for TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they found a good series and like a good actor, I would totally be down. Yeah. But uh, that that's you'd a tall order. Impress, you'd have to impress me. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Going over the final tally, mm-hmm. he he got fifty five as a king, mm. but but for time as king, mm-hmm. for the category of the king, he got a perfect score of twenty. Yep, first guy to ever get that. Yeah, for the warrior, he got seventeen point five. That's still very high. The highest again. Mm-hmm. Madness and misrule. He got four. He scored the same as Aegon the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. For portrait, we gave him an eight, and that adds up to a total of one hundred and four point five. He is massively well, not as massively as you'd think. He's about he's, he's about 19, twenty points ahead. Yeah, he's about twenty points ahead of Aegon, but he is yeah he is he's now That's the top dog. Longer. But with that being said, mm-hmm. the final real category. Which yeah, is, yeah. which is our last category, dragon or dud? Is he's he, is he's he someone that, that is worth remembering, or is he just a, a footnote in history? Right. He's dragon. a dragon. Oh he's yeah, dragon. totally. You don't you don't rule for over five decades, and not be worth remembering, because very few rulers, let alone actually come to think about, it, I don't even think very many male rulers have even have even ruled that long. Most of them, most of them who rule that long have been women. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Victoria, Elizabeth II. Yeah, mm-hmm. but going into just uh, this is like he's just. But even like, regardless of living fifty-five years, is that he is just like such an incre- It's it's a wonderful story, mm-hmm. and like he manages to learn from his father's mistakes. Yes, and like he he brings the realm together, and he brings it basically fifty years of peace after a conquest. And then just this horrible civil war by Magor. Brutal. And so he's just the perfect antidote. He's everything. And like he really, if his reign did not go well, mm-hmm. like the realm could have honestly collapsed. Yes. Yes. And so he does everything right. Mm-hmm. So Jaharis, definitely 100%. You are a dragon. Yeah. Congratulations. Well done. Well so. Done. 
that wraps it up for Jaharis the, the first. Mm-hmm. Next up is is his good old grandson Viserys the first. Oh, can yeah. he can he live up to his his grandfather? We'll find out next time. See you then. See you guys.